Hey friends, welcome to today's edition of Save the Drama for Your Shama. I am your host, Shama Kassin. Um, Just letting you all know that this is not the Candyman episode. I have been a major, major wimp about watching Candyman because I love Yahya. And he's like one of my thirst traps on Instagram and I'm trying not to be terrified of him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, basically, that's the only reason why I keep putting it off. But just letting you know, that's the housekeeping notes. And um, so that's the other reason why I haven't been able to put up a recent episode. That and I've been working a lot. But today is a special, special event. Um, one of many, because this is something that has been in the works, I would say, for about a good couple of years. And that is um, a special segment of Save the Drama for Your Trauma called Cults, Scams, and Murders. And joining me is the co-host of Cults, Scams, and Murders, Desmond James. Welcome, Desmond. Hi, hi. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so how did this come about? So me and Desmond... And his roommate, Gemma, back in Ireland, <laughs> um, we used to just watch a ton of um, documentaries surrounding, like, cults, um, anything to do with scams or fraud, and then murders. But, like, the more, um, I wouldn't say, like, necessarily true crime, like, how a lot of other people are obsessed with true crime. It's more so, like, the the really weird circumstances that came about that led to someone's murder, I think is kind of what you would agree that we're kind of more interested in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause like, we're not really like Ted Bundy fanatics over here. So don't worry. Like, <laughs> like he will never be mentioned on this podcast. So, um, yeah. So this is going to be a sub series within the show and we're going to address anything, whether it's a documentary, film, or a television show that involves a cult, a scam, or a murder. And today is something that has been sitting on our chest forever. Heavy. Um, heavy. So this is um, this episode is all about Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace. And I know what you're thinking. Oh my god, like that movie's like three years old now. Why are you guys reviewing this? Like I said, I feel like every time Desmond and I are on the phone or like we have a conversation, this film always comes up because it still pisses us off to this day that this project was even made. Like, wouldn't you agree, Desmond? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, just, like, oh, my God. Like, just the pure chaos surrounding it, I feel like, um, is, is, how do I explain it? I don't know. I don't know, like, um, totally what my feelings are yet, but we're going to go into it. So, basically, the premise for A Fall from Grace is, um, a woman named Grace is in jail for the murder of her husband. And um, there's a young attorney, I forget her name, um, 
but basically she's a public defender and she is in charge of taking a plea deal for grace and basically um you know trying to get her the best deal so that she'd be close enough to her family in the right prison she takes the charge whatever and um the public defender finds inconsistencies within the story um that grace tells basically and then she decides that she's going to take it to court and see if she can get grace free and um like i don't know i guess we can give away the ending basically um it turns out that grace's friend was part of a scam which is how this film falls into place in a scam with grace's husband and it turns out to be um the friend's son and they are basically in cahoots together to like scam old women out of their money they hold a bunch of older women in um hostage in their house and uh it all goes to hell from there and then grace manages to get free because they find out that she's not only is the husband alive um but that this other woman was involved in a scam so that's basically uh the rundown of the movie desmond i'm gonna let you talk because (laughs) like one of the big things that we always talk about that i take umbrage with all the time is just the quality of hair like Tyler Perry's probably, like, the biggest um, offender when it comes to the quality of wigs in his productions. Um, But there are definitely major productions that he's not a part of where, like, I find myself just wanting to throw something at the TV screen. Because I'm just like, ooh, what is this unit? But, like, like, you tell me. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I I think you bring up an interesting point. that in no way, shape, or form does Tyler Perry hold a monopoly on, you know, uh, bad hair being worn uh, by Black women in productions. It's kind of a thing that we see in, you know, daytime soap operas, in, you know, um, regular uh, televised shows that, like, for some reason, there's just the misunderstanding of how or a lack of understanding or willingness to understand how to deal with Black women's hair. Uh, and just black hair in general, but uh, there's something specifically consistent about Tyler Perry's productions, and the fact that if you go back and you look at any of them, um, there are two things that you will always find in his productions black women struggling, uh, and bad hair. So, you know, there's nothing really new being brought on by a fall from grace besides the fact that it's bad hair and an equally as bad script. Right. Which, speaking of the script, because Tyler Perry on multiple cases... Must we? (laughs) Must we speak about this script? Must Uh, we? Yeah, we have to. But basically, on multiple occasions, Tyler Perry has bragged about the fact that he does not have a writer's room. He does not have a writer's room. He Mm. writes all these scripts himself. And, like, Black Twitter, I love Black Twitter. We both love Black Twitter because, (laughs) like, we tell the truth, okay? And everybody, Desmond and myself included, are all just like, yeah, we could tell. We could tell that you wrote yourself, Tyler. (laughs) Ooh. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely not given what it was supposed to have gave. And it's very clear from, like, 
Okay, look, I want to start with a disclaimer because as Shama kind of like, you know, explained to you guys, um, we talk about this movie almost every single time we have a discussion. Right. And um, I think it would be um, the least of things to say that I have a very strong opinion about um, this particular production and, you know, uh, how Mr. Perry um, goes about uh, most of his projects in general. Uh, so if you're a Tyler Perry fan, um, it, this might not be for you. Yes, <laughs> okay, I just want to let you know. Be this you might not be for you. Off now. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give you a disclaimer before I go any further. This definitely might not be for you. Now, with that being said, um, this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, like. I would I would arguably put it in one of the worst movies I've ever seen and and I want to like preface it with the fact that like it's not due to the actors or you know especially not the magnificent crystal fox um but the problem that I have with Tyler Perry's productions is that like you know he he goes on and on he goes on and on about like how he's able to you know write these films himself and he's a fast writer and he doesn't have a writing room um and ultimately, you know, in writing these scripts really fast, he's also able to like direct them and and, and make them really fast. Yeah. And as you said, it shows. It, <laughs> it really shows, it like the quality shows. itself. Like I even remember, um, because the Fall from Grace did come out around Christmas, so you know, yeah. like it was Christmas break, everybody had time off so that they could watch the movie. And I just, I don't know about Desmond, but I know, like when I was online looking at, this is how I get movie reviews, by the way, Black Twitter. Anytime like there's yeah. like a movie that's worth watching, it, it's always through Twitter, um, because there are so many screenshots that people took of the film where there was like continuity issues like I guess like in the courtroom scene the judge literally had his lines as his paperwork on the yeah. judge and like you could see it like on camera like highlighted what he's supposed to say like he it's almost like he didn't even have time to like really practice his lines exactly. so it was well, of course he did there yeah or, of like, course he didn't it was shot in five days of course yeah. he had no time to like even put but yeah, like you, I mean, like the film was shot in five days. Not to mention the fact that like the house that like the main, uh, the, not Crystal Fox, but the the young lady who was the attorney, right. the house that she lived in was the, the front door was a push door that like you would find in you know general um, sort of like going into like any type of establishment or building or whatever. It was it was not a door that was made for a house. It was a glass door, right. and I was just like oh, not only are there continuity issues, but it, you can tell that this movie was just made, you know, very quickly with no care for how... Um, no care for the art department. Yes. I mean, well, there's never any care for the hair or, or makeup because it's just, right. once again, um, <laughs> it's just lackluster. But it was right. just, there was, no, there was no interest in making a film of any particular you know, of upstanding quality. It just felt like he was just like, oh, okay, well, let's just make a movie, you know, and, you know, use, because I have to make this movie for Netflix. Let's just make this movie. And it was like, sir, you have a studio, like, like Marvel Studios uses your, 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 they rent your studio space to film the Avenger films or portions of the Avenger films uh, or the Marvel films. Um, not to mention the fact that you have enough money where you're buying, uh, 
or you're you're building an airport. Right. How is it that you have enough money to build an airport? You're raking in this Marvel money, and you can't even buy a simple like upstanding unit. Right. I don't understand it. <laughs> I just don't understand it. How it's like, like the movie is full of great actresses. You have Cicely Tyson. You have Felicia Rashad, which we're gonna come back to um, Cicely Tyson. You know, God rest her eternal soul. Um, but you have Felicia Rashad. You have Crystal Fox. You have like great actors in this film. Uh, as the young man uh, that plays the husband, you have Makai Brooks. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you have you have great actors in this movie, and you gave them trash to perform. And back to Cicely Tyson. Yes. Back so to this- Cicely. Because... Okay, let's get into this because my thing, the problem I have, I'm going to show you my problem and then you you just let me know how you feel. Okay. The problem I have is that throughout this entire movie, as you've explained to the audience, um, you're taking on this journey of uh, this young lady attorney and Crystal Fox and the, the young lady not believing that Crystal is, is guilty or whatever and kind of being taken over this... Uh, this journey of like her relationship with this young man and how he has embezzled her. And then when we get to like the climax of the film, when everything's sort of coming together and winding down and you find out that Felicia Rashad is his mother and you know, that they're in on the scam or whatever, you also find out that Cicely Tyson, who you've been seeing, you know, in little uh, specks here and there throughout the film has been human has been human trafficked by by the the mother and the son and yeah. her and a bunch of other older women are trapped in their are like basically locked up in the basement right. and it was just like <laughs> i was like ooh um okay i don't how did we get here and you know this is a like i mean we all kind of like you know left turns out of films where a film just kind of like goes in a direction and then just completely like flips on its head but would you also agree that like like i don't i don't know what this was <laughs> like i don't know yeah. what this was intended to be well i think the fact of the matter is is that like it was billed with crystal fox felicia rashad and like oscar winner or oscar nominee uh cicely tyson and you're just like oh man like they're really going to be in this and like yeah. really gas and then she was only in for like five minutes, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, like, her screen time is a end, total of five minutes, yeah. Yeah, so I just feel like he kind of did her dirty, in addition to the fact that like, um, you know, just the role that she had, like where she was just like this disheveled, like <laughs> old crone. Who couldn't and- speak. <laughs> Who couldn't speak and it was just like oh my god like like we're hungry we're in the basement and i was just like oh what is this like why are we doing this to her because she had a fantastic <laughs> run on how to get away with murder yeah i'm like, <laughs> like she won the if i remember correctly she won the emmy in everything yeah, I think like so. she was nominated a couple times and she won at least once i think she won the most recent time that she was nominated and so it was weird to me that i was like okay well you know, when she passed, because, like, the film came out shortly after she passed, but, like, I remember, like, when she passed, we were all, like, oh, okay, like, you know, she was so on... The, how on Desmond, somehow, like, somebody was calling me, and it, like, messed up what you were okay. just saying. That, like, after you 
won the Emmy, um, or after she won the Emmy, like what okay. were you saying? But after she won the Emmy, um, it was like I, I remember everyone going, like, oh, "Okay, well, like this was the solid run for her," you know. Like we we knew her, or we were remembering her for all of her, you know, um, brilliant performances. Uh, Diary of Machine Pittman, and then most recently she had done Tripped Up Bountiful, um, where to this day I think she's the only Black woman uh, to have done that role. Um, and then on, she had a great, great run on How to Get Away with Murder. And so it was like, okay, well, this is a great way to send her off. This is a great sort of period to her career. Um, and then The Fall from Grace came out. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I was just kind of like, I think I think Miss Tyson's memory could have been could have done without this. <laughs> like yeah. I just I mean, I know that she spoke very fondly of working uh with Tyler and he was one of her favorite people. Uh you know, there's a lot of black women that enjoy working with him. Um uh Carrie yeah. Washington, uh Whoopi Goldberg. Like all there's all there's a, a loads of women that love working with him. Yeah, my concern take care of the stars. Like like yeah. you can take that away from him. And like we all know that like he helped out um Perry and Megan, you know what I mean, when they're trying yeah, yeah, to make yeah. their great escape to the United States. Like he does take care of his people. We're not taking that away from him. We're just saying that he doesn't always put them in the best light when it comes to performance. I think that for his place in Hollywood and for and for more specifically as as a as the black community, like his place you know, that he holds within Black cinema, within modern Black cinema, to be honest, the work should be better. Right. The work should be, a, like, for the money that he that he has, for the influence that he has, and for the reputation that he has, the quality of work should be better. And so then it's like, you know, why is that? I think you, you kind of pointed out, you know, the major point at the beginning the major reason for that, I think, also is the fact that there's no diversity in his in in his writing room because there isn't one. Like right. he has no other, you know, um, the writers to help sort of like I don't know help him edit and go like, oh, okay, maybe that's not a great idea. Um, you know, maybe maybe this scene should be cut from the script. Uh, it's just all him. He gets control of the entire writing process, which I understand that he's the boss, but like. As a writer myself, there, there, there's something to be said for being able to um, run your work across other people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And with that, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to complain much more about Evolve from Grace. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about it um well first things first just letting everybody know that i noticed that there's a little bit of feedback issues on this episode i do apologize for that and um that is because this is an international podcast uh desmond lives in germany currently i'm in the united states so you know there's a little bit of a funky connection but we are trying to make it work so please be patient with us um but back to a fall from grace because (laughs) like all right let me just tell you like the parts of the story that really pissed me off we already like broke through the wigs we already broke through the fact that like tyler perry does his own work you know what i mean and just the roles were crazy but like just even parts of the story were just like really freaking crazy like um one of the first things that i noticed 
was um ooh, let me first of all you could tell that felicia rashad was shady like the entire way through you, you know, knew she was the bad guy yeah like you already <laughs> knew that she was the villain like from the start and it's like I, I always have a problem with that because that was the issue with Knives Out too. Like I knew Chris Evans was the villain from like the start. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not that it was a bad movie; it was a very good movie. But it was just like I knew, I knew it. I was like, oh yeah, he did it. Like, like, and she was kind of the same way. Um, but one of the things that drove me nuts was when like um, he kind of gave the implication that we knew that she was in cahoots with her son. But they kind of made it seem like they were a married couple. The way that she was, like, doing that, like, hand gesture and, like, one of the flashbacks, I was like, oh, is he married to this older woman? (laughs) Yeah, I really thought it was very much, like, they were, like, she was actually the older woman that he was into. And so, therefore, like, they just went around kind of scamming other women of, of that particular age. Which, once again, going back to, like, the, the Cicely Tyson thing, those women in that basement were all in their 80s. Yes. Exactly. So let that sit with you. Yeah, they were all in their 80s. And it, and the movie even started out with a lady like that was like, oh, no, I just want to end it all. And, like, jumped off the roof. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, the fact that they didn't investigate it further. Like, why did this lady jump off the roof? I think the crime would have been solved if they <laughs> If they just did a little bit more asking, but instead it was just like, okay, this is how we're going to start. And then like um, another issue that I have, and this is just me because I watched like a million and one procedurals, like Law and Order is on constantly for me, was the when the public defender was defending Grace in court. And they basically were just like, Grace is guilty. I'm sorry. Like, she's guilty. And, like, the girl, like, literally stood up and it was just like, I need to ask another question. She just kept pressing on it. And I was just like, ma'am, like, have you been to law school? Like, I don't think you're supposed to do that. Like, and it led to nowhere. So I was like, we're just filling up five minutes of time for what? You know what I mean? To make this dramatic courtroom scene that didn't actually happen and there was no consequence to it it was just very strange to me in addition to the fact that the story overall was just silly and it just took like a hard left turn especially once you got to the friend's house and she has all these women like living in the house and they're all like like losing your minds and they're like oh we're starving we're you know what i mean we're in jail which the basement was huge as hell did you notice that like for the house that it was and then they had like a prison for all these women <laughs> like down the basement and it was like how how did they manage that i just don't understand <laughs> all right so yeah there was a the massive basement which that was the pain in the neck but then like there was also this really weird incestuous thing, which, you know, that was a whole thing. Um, but it felt like the story for me, I think the biggest thing was that, like, Tyler Perry is really important at creating characters that don't matter. Um, I guess is like, I don't I don't know another way of saying it is that, like, you know, while he he pours a lot and he kind of over dramatizes the life of his main characters he creates supporting characters that go nowhere that like that aren't better because of the story or even at the very least don't really add anything to the story and like you know um 
it was just a thing with this particular film that like if you aren't the if you aren't the protagonist he he really didn't care about developing you and even Mm -hmm. you know as i'm sure we'll get into later it didn't really feel like he like spent much time developing uh crystal's character because it was like it was really the hardest part for me of the film was was not understanding who who was the main focus was it her or was it the young attorney and it just kind of like you know there was no real sort of like you know consistent shift between the two characters it was just one minute you care about crystal's backstory and then the next minute you're in the future with this uh or you're in the present with you know this attorney girl who you know has a husband that you don't even care about right (laughs) who's, who's not even really important outside of the fact that he shows up to support her and the husband's played by another you know notable black actor but it was just like this is a movie full of people who we care about the people but the characters that they're playing are going nowhere. Right. Uh, that is the big part about it, isn't it? Like, especially, like, and one thing that I did notice that Tyler Perry kind of does a lot and was made fun of on the boondocks was the fact that, like, the scamming husband was darker skinned. Yep. And, like, the good guy cop was lighter skinned. Like, was that lighter skinned, yep. Yeah, that didn't go unnoticed for me, like, at all. Where I was just like, ooh, okay, are we still doing this? Like, I just don't, like, and yeah, and you're right. And he had, like, no real purpose or reason for being there except to be, like, the nope. hero cop. And I was just like, oh, so this is copaganda, too? Ugh. Yep. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> I'm like, oh, go back and look at every single Tyler Perry film, you know, because there's somebody out here listening that is like high key, like really mad at us about our opinions on this film, and that's fine. It's a free, it's you know, cool. it's yeah. a free space. But um, but they can you know, email me with a complaint. It's cool for your shama at gmail.com If you have a complaint, <laughs> feel free to send it there. But like, go back to every Tyler Perry movie you've. You, you've ever seen that is that is the uh that that is the complex like one there is always sort of the darker skinned husband or darker skinned you know beau who is terrible and then there's the light skinned man savior except i think with a family that prays it was like she was married to the light skinned husband who she didn't appreciate mm-hmm. and she was cheating on him with the white man Right. Who didn't appreciate her, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're switching it up a little bit. Right. But um, but yeah, it was just. I think the biggest thing for me with Tyler Perry, because once again, we don't want to take away from him that you know he has created opportunities for for certain people. Um, he treats his actors well; they speak highly of him. It, for me, as a writer, it's just the it's the biggest thing of that, like. You are known for, you know, a black cinema and 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 sort of black theater and and sort of you know really re uh, refocusing black theater at a time when it was desperately sort of needed and it was really kind of like the only niche that was really sort of like allowing for um, black owned black driven productions um, and so it's it's unfortunate that when looking at his body of work, um, looking at it creatively and objectively, I don't feel that his writing has changed. I don't feel that he has evolved as a writer to where, you know, I don't see that in his stories. I don't, 
and and maybe that's and maybe that's kind of ultimately the crutch of what we're looking at is that like if you took all of these films and you made them you know stage plays there's a strong chance that maybe they would be you know like we would look at them differently in the way that we mm-hmm. looked at the original Medea you know stage shows and all that um well, I mean, is, that's really what it is, isn't it? It's the fact that he's a stage writer, you know? Yeah. I mean? And he probably doesn't really, like... A, a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, but he's doing so much for cinema and for television. It's like, no, but, you know, I think maybe that was his his lane, was, like, writing for the stage. Yeah. And trying to translate that into uh, something that is meant for screen doesn't translate well that was kind of the same thing of who was the guy noah bumbach that wrote marriage story like, yeah like that production should have been a staged production that should marriage never story should definitely been. should have been yeah. on, on the stage yeah that should have never made it to screen that's just my opinion so there, and there's just people like that that just cannot be since Scarlett johansson yeah <laughs> that's a different show folks that's a different show different but show but yeah. yes but yeah, I think you I think you kind of hit the hammer, you know, on the nail with that is that like unfortunately, you know, we all kind of have our lanes whether it's, you know, um writing state, writing for stage, writing for screen, you know, um writing novels and short stories and and things of that nature. Um we all kind of have, you know, our gifts. And maybe, you know, m- maybe his is for the stage and maybe, you know, it should be more so him catering himself to figuring out how to, uh, you know, really revitalize the stage space or, I don't know, take a show to Broadway or something like that. Because the problem just is, is that, like, stage and screen are different. You know, mm-hmm. we we all know that. I don't have to tell you that. Um, you can't, and the way in which you can solve a show, you can solve, you know, a crime or you can, you know, tell a story, uh, you know, within a certain amount of time in a certain space on stage you know, it, it requires a bit more when you're when you're on screen because there's not that connection and there's not that um, relatability to your uh, to your audience in the way that there is on stage. And so, I really think that like the biggest thing for him is that like either you have to change it up or 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 just go back to your niche mm-hmm. because because screen is not it. You yeah, know. screen screen is definitely not it. Yeah, I, I think it's just fair to say that screen screen isn't it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like he's he's one of those guys that like he's been given these projects, these awesome projects, which is really cool. You know, especially like coming from the fact that like as black people, as black and brown and 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 people of color, as those types of creatives, you know, it's very rare to have the opportunity to walk through the the walk into the rooms that that Tyler Perry had. Yeah. For sure. Uh like to like I think have a a film a, a film that was uh over a million dollars. Well, I, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was over 100 million was mm-hmm. the budget to shoot um a wrinkle in time. But but yeah, so it's like you have these opportunities and yet I don't know that you're I, I don't know that you're prepared for that or if it's your lane. Right. Well, I mean 
Yeah, I don't think there's anything else more to say about it, <laughs> to be honest. Like, like we finally got it off our chest. It's finally out to the world for everybody to hear. Uh, some people, I'm sure there's people that will agree with us, and then there's some people that are just like, fuck you too. Like, just, dra- <laughs> like, just drag us in the street for blood. Yeah, seriously. So, But I do want to pose a question I... to you. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I do want to pose a question to you, though. Okay. Um, as we do with each other on occasion. Okay. Um, if you could have advised Tyler Perry in the making of A Fall from Grace, like okay. from the moment that like, let's just say that he he pulled a miraculous turnaround and he was like, hey, before I shoot this film, Shama, I want to bring the script to you and tell me what you think. What advice would you have given him? What could he have done to done to have made the script better set it on fire (laughs) set it on fire and start over that's all I have there was nothing there was there was no sort of rewrites or anything that you feel like you could have done to really just ooh just just burn it and just start anew yep just burn it and start anew yeah that's all I got that's fair I (laughs) I respect your candor (laughs) <laughs> look I, I can okay i can respect that that's that's cool i mean i don't know a part of me is like well one t- like as much as i love her take out cicely tyson's whole storyline yeah. like, it's a it's a five minute storyline altogether it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't add any weight to the story um you know like just just remove it i know that you wanted to work with her but like you know, maybe you could just be her friend and that's it. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I would also say that, like, the, the thing I notice, especially with the, with, with you know, because he does the have and the have nots and he writes the script for that as well. The thing I kind of notice when it comes to a lot of his productions is that, like, he gives the actors, in my opinion, too much room to um he gives them too much room to improv i think in my opinion because like mm-hmm. there's certain there's certain situations where i can tell that like crystal fox is searching for a line right um because there's and 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 for me as a writer that makes me feel like oh there's no line there or there's nothing like this is something that is more so of a description in the script than it is dialogue and you know if you're going to be a writer or call yourself a writer I think that you know and also a director you really have to be able to you know give your actors material you know yeah. to really come alive like improv for them is, is is like you know it's an important skill but as much as she was improving in that movie I was like ooh, this just feels like you gave her an abstract and then told her to like go be great Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing. Like, I know just personally as an actor myself, like, even if I have to, like, make something up, if I kind of have a general understanding of where I'm supposed to go with this, I think I have a better time of, like, coming up with something on the fly. Yeah. But if I don't, you know what I mean? And like you said, it's just an abstract. That's harder. That's harder for me to do. Yeah. It just feels like he gave her a paragraph and was like, this is what this movie is about. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then she just, 
you know, her and the other actors just kind of create because there's some very clumsy parts in 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 the film where it, it just feels like, you know, it just feels like there was nothing there and they were told to just you know, to just go action and I'll film you, right. and because people were just kind of falling all over each other and that happens in regular you know conversations and things like that but there was no obviously because it's film there's no order to it and it was right. and so those scenes came off a little chaotic yeah but i guess sure. that w- that would be my notes that and yeah. to like you know get better props yeah set it on fire that's my that's my <laughs> final once again <laughs> once again just burn it just burn it yeah but that's it for today's episode of Save the Drama for Your Shama. Desmond and I will be back for our episode of Holy Hell, uh, which is a documentary about the cult. Yes. yes. And we will see you soon. Take care. Bye.